Come to Lethbridge and join an innovative community for entrepreneurs. With more than a quarter of the 100,000 population under the age of 34, Lethbridge brims with energy. We'll help you to kickstart, innovate, and grow. Lethbridge, Southern Alberta's hub for innovation and technology. It's the bright choice for business builders. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge. Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. How to use a seaweed farm to supersize your wealth, your community building, and personal longevity. It can happen. So first of all, that's the scene for today's podcast. I am super excited to have Bill Collins here uh, from Cascadia Seaweed. And he has got uh, some knowledge that everybody should listen to if you're in a coastal community around the globe. So first of all, knowing that fully self-sufficient, hyper-local villages are the evolution of community living. Not only is it possible, it's likely that fully private or hybrid private public seaweed farms will become a mainstay of food security in coastal communities around the globe, my prediction, within 10 years. So first of all, it's already happening. So if you think it's in the too hard basket, think again. I'm Angela Fay, host on Canada's podcast and founder, impact coach at Futureville, building lasting community impact. Speaking with me today is Bill Collins, a Canada's podcast alumni and co-founder of Cascadia Seaweed, who is absolutely poised to help accelerate Canada to be in the global top three best sustainable fish and seafood producers by 2040. Before we get into some of the solutions, sorry, Bill, you want to comment? (laughs) That's the game plan. That's the game plan. I love it. So before we get into the solutions, I'd just like to bring some awareness to the problems that you're solving, Bill, with Cascadia. So um, starting with, give me a little bit of perspective on on some of the problems that were right before Cascadia launched into business. Yeah, when we first opened up our doors, uh, we knew that the challenge was going to be access to water. It's mm-hmm. uh, seaweed is grown in the coastal zone uh, in in temperate waters uh, in Canada, and uh, finding the right locations that are conducive to seaweed grows. Now, seaweed is a weed, and it's just oh. as its name states, it grows everywhere. Uh, there is diversity in seaweeds off the British Columbia coast, for example. There are 630 species that grow natively, so we want to exploit that and to ensure that nature continues to to thrive in its biodiversity. Uh, Cascadia needs access to water. And Mm -hmm. we do that through partnering with the coastal communities, uh, First Nations in particular. And so for us, uh, the key was gaining access to that water in partnership so that we can grow this really uh, beautifully sustainable crop. Well, and some of the problems that everybody is facing, I mean, not some of the solutions of getting, getting Cascadia happening on the ground, but there are pressures on the ocean right now are intense and growing as far as, um, you know, having access to the ocean, but also preserving and protecting that ocean. And Canadians, in fact, all leaders are increasingly concerned about food security and stable job creation. And 
you know, traditional agriculture is responsible for 6%, and I'm going to ask you to clarify and make sure that's right, 6% of global GHGs, 40% of methane gas emissions. And there's mounting fear globally about the preservation of coastal communities with climate uh, evolution, if you like. Yeah, you're, you're so right, Angela. The way we view the world is, is a culmination of two things at the moment. First of all, climate action. It's no longer good enough to say we're sustainable. Industry has to take a very proactive approach to repair the damage that's been done to the planet. And we, 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 this will not be an overnight thing. It has to be done uh, with, with expediency. Uh, we can't wait to change the planet, but we do recognize there are certain barriers to growth. Right. So it's the combination or the nexus of food security, health and wellness of the individual, and, and access to a good, secure uh, route for food, in addition to this climate action. That's where Cascadia sits right in the middle, mm -hmm. because we can deliver a climate positive crop, a secure food to feed uh, the 10 billion people that will be inhabiting this planet in the not too distant future. And at the same time, seaweed farming is done at a community level. Right. Because what we want to be able to do is put people back in their homes, in their traditional homes, spread out a little bit more and doing meaningful work on the water that is in conjunction and harmony with the ocean and its inhabitants. And at the same time can transform food security from a traditional terrestrial agriculture venue to something that's broader. That's what the Cascadia's uh, goal is. Well, and all of the problems that we talked about really have one core theme, I guess, as, as to that problem, which is decentralization and the need for a shift to local food and energy production. What do you think? Yeah, I love it. Uh, we may comment later, but the way I see it is our goal is to decarbonize the atmosphere and recarbonize the biosphere in order to set the, set the track back. Uh, and in order to do that, it has to be done at a community level, uh, well-coordinated community level. Uh, we cannot do this in isolation in an individual community. There has to be a network of communities. There has to be a network of farms. They have to interact with a network, a transportation network to deliver it. Uh, we need food processing, value added. We may go into that in a little bit later in terms of the other things, but it's, it's a community, a network of communities that will actually deliver seaweed farms to the scale necessary to meet the demand. Let's talk a little bit about you, the, the man, Bill Collins. Bill, what again, what's your entrepreneurial journey and really what today has, has become the evolution of your massively transformative purpose? Yeah, I started off as a marine geologist, uh, spending a lot of time in international science and uh, lots of survey work in many of the coastal oceans of the world. Uh, I thought we have an opportunity. I did manage to spend a beautiful couple of years in the South Pacific in the 90s and saw firsthand if the earth, the globe was on a trajectory for sea level rise or certainly sea level change, it was going to massively impact initially those communities where the height of land is a meter and a half right. countries. Right. Uh, so, so that that um, put a set of glasses on in front of me uh, with a view that whatever has to happen, whether it's industry or science, it needs to be done through the lens of climate action. Uh, had the privilege of, uh, of working and eventually owning uh, a company that was in 
electronics manufacturing for mass transit, because mass transit will be a solution for folks getting around with as minimal impact as possible on our environment. Uh, all of that came together in the venture that really um, was the, the seed for the idea about Cascadia, where we were looking for ideas that would uh, create business on Vancouver Island, attract foreign direct investment, and where Vancouver Island and the coast of BC, and in fact, the coast of Canada could play a, have a global competitive advantage. When you take into account food security and climate action, uh, it, it becomes uh, seaweed as, a, as, as one really good solution to address those two things and where uh, BC has uh, an, a, a distinct global advantage. Well, and, and what I'm curious a little bit about is we have our distinct competitive advantage because of the types of waters that we have. And you, what was the number of, of seaweed plants? 630. Uh, if it, you know, if I'm talking to island nations across the globe, would they have seaweed in, in some form? Yeah, uh, seaweed in generally is, is a macroalgae. And right. all coastal waters have macroalgae, although we're losing them at an, an astonishing rate for for the mm. for the, the climate reasons. Uh, so there is opportunity. We're part of a consortium of global seaweed farmers okay. that range from a 300-year-old uh, farm in Japan to uh, the plans for a newly minted farm off the coast of Namibia. Oh wow! Oh wow! So really, that wow! That's quite the collaboration group. It is. <laughs> It is. It was brought together under the auspices of Oceans 2050, whose goal is to mm. bring back the 50% loss of biodiversity in the oceans by the year 2050. It's led by a woman, Alexandra Cousteau, who's Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter. Yes. yes. Uh, and uh, we're part of the consortium called Carbon Farming 2050, where we're going to quantify the, the value of seaweed cultivation in support of permanent carbon sequestration. For the layman. What yep. does that mean? What the, the cost? What sort of scale are we talking about the cost? And what does that sequestration mean, if I got the word right? Yep, sequestration, yeah. Uh, it, it means that uh, the more we can capture CO2 mm -hmm. from the atmosphere, and uh, so a seaweed uh, uh, micro, macroalgae, for example, is not a plant. It sits sort of plant-like out there. It's non-animal, right? Nutrition, right. for example. <laughs> Uh, it absorbs CO2 through the ocean and the ocean water as it as it uh, as it uh, waves in the in the currents and uh, it extracts uh, really essential nutrients from the seawater. Part of that is CO2 to, through the the algae life cycle. Uh, it absorbs that CO2, turns it into plant or uh, algae energy, if you want to think about it like that. And uh, some of that uh, algae as it's growing, sloughs off into the deep ocean. And that's permanent sequestration, provided we can quantify that. And we know there's science, uh, there's science out there that talks about transportation mechanisms from sediments in the coastal zone into deep uh, sediments uh, in the deep oceans. So that, that represents permanent sequestration. Now, your, your listeners will say, okay, well, if you're harvesting it, how, how permanent is that? Well, the, the actual uh, macroalgae that we harvest and eat or repurpose for other things, uh, that gets recycled. Uh, so that's not permanent sequestration. However, however, there is a component as it grows will fall into the deep ocean. Also, our plan in terms of supporting 
uh, not just carbon neutrality, but a, a carbon uh, negative in that we're, we're sinking carbon, uh, is to leave seaweed on our production lines to, mm -hmm. to offset any of the, the uh, say, the energy we use as part of internal combustion engine or the trucks that take our seaweed products to market, for example. What I'd like to just delve into a little bit, because we talked about, um, you know, the making of a, of a seaweed, seaweed farm, but let's just talk a little bit about seaweed cultivation, the business. What is the blueprint needed, you know, starting with commercial access to waters through to end product? What Tell us a little bit about that blueprint. Right. So there's some fundamental commonalities in whatever market vertical we end up being into. Mm -hmm. uh, those commonalities are you need ocean, access to ocean, pristine ocean waters that are have a minimal integration or interaction with, say, vessel traffic lanes. Right. Uh, so you need partners uh, to deliver access, permissions, and regulatory as, uh, to satisfy the regulators that we're doing this in a way that's not going to uh, tremendously uh, negatively impact. We think clearly the benefits outweigh the impacts, but anytime you're putting equipment in the water, you do impact the, the, that ocean. So we're not, we're not blind to that. It's, it's really mm -hmm. important to understand that. Right. So access to water in British Columbia, in the British Columbia context, that's partnering with First Nations. There's many, many, many more reasons for us to partner with First Nations than just gaining access to their territory. Uh, we, we strongly believe that a workforce, a knowledgeable workforce that have been on the water and eating seaweed for millennia are the perfect partners, business partners uh, for Cascadia Seaweed as we try and take this product to world. Okay, so uh, once you harvest it, you now uh, seaweed, just for your, the, the, your listeners, it grows on production lines in the water. So okay. horizontal lines, uh, yep. regular rope uh, that's, that's uh, hung between a float and a, an anchor. Uh, we have to cultivate it so there's science involved. We have to, to uh, uh, take a seaweed uh, reproductive tissue, bring it into a lab, into a big aquaria, and grow seaweed babies, and then outplant them. That happens on a, on a yearly cycle. Uh, so you have seaweed growing on the lines, you go out and you mechanically, you physically take it off the line and harvest it, bring it to a coastal zone near you, a shore <laughs> jetty near you, because it doesn't last that long once you harvest right. it, okay. hours. Okay. Uh, it starts to degrade and obviously we want the highest quality. So then it has to be stabilized and we're using existing infrastructure. Yep. We believe, for example, in BC, uh, the, the social licenses there for industrial use. Uh, and, and I have to, I can't stress enough, it has to be industrial use in harmony with the environment in a, in a mm -hmm. positive approach. Mm -hmm. uh, that's clear from the lessons of the past. We can't avoid talking about that subject and we try to be as transparent as we can about the impacts. So you have a, a, a processing, seafood processing facility that can take seaweed into their stream. Uh, it gets um, it gets prepared, sorted. It will be uh, if it's fresh frozen stream, then it will be frozen. Uh, if it is to be dried and powdered so that it enters another food stream, uh, either way is fine. It would go then to a value added like a co-pack facility where it would be transformed into something that's really tasty. Uh, I have to say, if you have the opportunity to go out in a boat and, and uh, pick some seaweed right out of the water and eat it, you would be amazed 
uh, you might think, oh, this is a salty, slimy mess. Absolutely the opposite. It doesn't taste salty. It tastes green and lovely and crunchy. Yeah. Highly recommended. Uh, so when you get the seaweed, then of course you have the product formulation. We expect to have, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 SKUs at the end of the day as we attempt uh, to realize our goal of making seaweed a staple in North America, uh, not just a delicacy or something that you might pick up mm -hmm. in the sushi counter at your local supermarket. Right. So those are the, that's the mechanism to get it. And, and once it's, it's uh, prepared and stabilized, it's the distribution network will be like any other food distribution network. The routes right. to market are all going to be the same. And how much do you imagine would be consumed in the local community or the regional community versus exported? Well, if we make it a staple, as in many countries it is now, uh, South America, I'll point to Chile, seaweed is a staple. And by the way, lower uptake, uptake rates of COVID uh, from, company, from countries that have seaweed in their diet for all its medicinal and health and wellness purposes. Uh, if, if, uh, if we are successful at delivering it as a staple in Canada or North America, then it will be eaten by every community. The beauty is, uh, if you're talking about hyper-local food and we have seaweed farms, we have a network of seaweed farms uh, up and down the coast, then you should be able to gain access to it from your local producers in the same way that you might go to a, a local uh, orchard to, to get apples that, you know, the 50 mile diet or the 100 mile diet. It should be doable if we live next to the coast. Tech Connect, a center for entrepreneurship and innovation in Lethbridge, has been springboarding entrepreneurs to success for 10 years and counting. Our spirit of innovation is a way of life. We have an incredible environment. Our innovators are not afraid to stand apart because they know that in Lethbridge, we are brighter together. We are Lethbridge. Come and join us. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge. Tell me a little bit, Bill, about why, I mean, you've done so much groundwork literally groundwork and or sea work if you like <laughs> on uh you know prepping you've got a R&D site you have a test farm on the go which was why i wanted to tap into your story about what's happening now right so right. you are already at the growing you're about to hit harvest can you tell me a little bit of what specifically is happening at the yeah site? i sure can uh we realized we had to be large uh out of the gate so within in 2019, and I think we probably spoke in October of 2019, we had uh, we were just in the process of putting farms in the water. That was our first harvest. We harvested 20 tons in the territories of the Uchuklisa tribe government and the Hawaiat. Uh, and we harvested them last year in 2020. Wow. And we used that as an input to the development process. We have three uh, food developers right now preparing this delicious uh, food for, for market. Uh, we felt we had to be large scale. So in so mm -hmm. this year, uh, well, sorry, 2020, last year, calendar year, yep. uh, we put uh, 30 line kilometers in the water. So we grew by fivefold. Wow. That uh, Those farms were put in uh, with an additional territory of the Clahoos First Nation in partnership and in and around mussel farms, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. because integrated multi-trophic aquaculture is one way to support a more holistic view of the of ecosystem and of the, its impact on from aquaculture. Uh, so we have those uh, farms and all farms reporting back right now 
that the seaweed that was planted in late December and in early January is growing very well. So our goal this year is our first commercial harvest, uh, somewhere about 150 tons, which we will uh, bring to, uh, to primary processing locally uh, in British Columbia, local uh, processors, and then get it into Copax, probably on the lower mainland for direct-to-consumer availability through a brand which we will launch in May. Stay tuned, listeners. This is going to be it's going to be <laughs> okay. great. I totally see another podcast coming once we're there, right? But <laughs> yeah, um, and that's amazing. And I, I mean, we talked about some of the infrastructure. You said you're leveraging also things like the food hub in a neighboring community. Um, you know, leveraging existing infrastructure that's there as well as building and investing in some of your own. This is a, this is a transformative industry and, a, and, a, and will provide a transition from, from jobs that uh, maybe uh, had sunset, uh, and I'm not naming them specifically. The in- industries in yeah. general on the coastal zone of BC want to make uh, the investment payoff in the long term, which means uh, a greater attention to impacts on our environment. Uh, but if there are industries that that are not going to be with us in the future, and particularly coastal industries, then seaweed aquaculture provides a great transition to again uh, jobs, high-paying, high-value jobs uh, in the long run, where they can be considered green or more alignment with the blue economy, which is mm-hmm. a way that we can capture uh, more climate sustainability in coastal and marine industries. That's a perfect segue into, you know, you're not only farming your and R&Ding, but you're also knowledge sharing. And I mean, this is an amazing, um, you seem to be doing everything all at once, but I see Cascadia community building, actually training farmers, doing events. Tell me a little bit about why such a big uh, focus as well on the knowledge sharing side of things. It's a, it's a nascent industry. And uh, our view of the world is uh, it, we have the opportunity, as I said, we can't wait to change the world, but it won't be done by an in- individuals or indeed by individual corporations. It needs to be built as a sector. So a strong right. foundation for any stre- sector is the, the knowledge base in which to do it. We, call, we talk about the knowledge economy all the time. Uh, well, there's a prime example. If you build a strong foundation built on quality science and engineering mixed with, uh, with marketing and sales uh, in, in the new context, in the gig economy, we're leveraging all that to, to say mm-hmm. we, we do that found at a foundational level and we're very, very inclusive as an industry. We've spoken to every uh, non-Asian seaweed producer. So all the G, uh, not the G7s, but the, the Western uh, European and, uh, and uh, uh, North American seaweed producers. So There's not that many. Uh, we've spoken to them all and we wow. share all, uh, right. apart from as I said, very few. Uh, so for example, uh, what's the best size of, of production line? And we can write to our friends on the East Coast and say, well, what did you use? And they say, well, we use this or we use that, or we use this farm design. Those are the kinds of things that we need to share. Uh, Again, in order to drive this industry, we need to do it at pace. And in order to do it at pace, we need extreme collaboration. Uh, Guerrilla collaboration, we call it because- (laughs) I love it. Yeah, because you you really don't have a choice. 
Uh, our goal was to get seaweed farms in the water within six months. We did that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really key that together we pool the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, there's so much room. The market demand, the market's been growing by six, by eight to 14 percent globally. There are new products, uh, new ideas coming out every single day uh, for, for uses of seaweed. And I can go through the market verticals. Uh, that will give your listeners a chance to get a, a, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, you know, seaweed could be used for that. Uh, right. that's, a, that's a daily trend around our offices and we try and spread the word. So there's, there's plenty of room for competition. So I'm, I'm just going to touch on, I, I think we'll go back to that question, but I'm just going to remind everybody, again, we're talking about how to use a seaweed farm to amplify your wealth, your community building, and your personal longevity. So. First of all, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're inspired, you, you, you imagine, you know, starting your own seaweed farm. What should they do? What, what's the pathway for, the, for an actual private farmer or entrepreneur to do, get involved? Right. Uh, so if you can, work for a seaweed farmer. If, if you're young and enthusiastic and want to go from the ground up, uh, even if you're old and enthusiastic, uh, you know, fill your boots. Uh, talk to local farmers, uh, maybe go to work for a local farmer if that was possible. And I say local, I, I mean community farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the challenge, though. Uh, I would not be encouraging a thousand one hectare farms to come up on the coastal zone. I would be encouraging folks that if you're going to do it, you have to think uh, at the right scale. And that's a farm that's really a minimum of five to 10 hectares. Okay. Uh, it will take you a, a long time uh, to to grow your business. So we're encouraging uh, definitely more entrepreneurs in the sector uh, to fill the need. Uh, we're open to, to all kinds of discussion. Uh, one of our um, one of our engineers here at Cascadia uh, phoned a year ago and said, "I really want to be a seaweed farmer. I've been a marine engineer for for a few years, and this is my passion." And I said, "Well." He asked me what the advice was. I said, well, you got a couple of choices. Uh, you can go it alone and we will help you, uh, but we will really want to work with entities that are have visions to be larger and to support the sector build out. I said, or you can come to work for us, uh, learn the ropes on our dime, and then uh, you know branch out and do this, this on your own if that's what you really want to be is, is, um, is that kind of an entrepreneur. And so for com- for community builders, right, the policy makers, maybe the public servants, um, the, the other stakeholder groups, what can they do to embrace this unstoppable trend? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. Uh, I've just recently, over the last few months, virtually met with just about every uh, municipality on Vancouver Island. And inevitably, the question comes, what can we do? So the first thing that you can do as an individual uh, apart from the obvious, you know, make sure that your local town council are as amenable to growth in businesses, are amenable to uh, opening their, their minds to new forms of aquaculture that don't carry perhaps the baggage of, of uh, more traditional kinds of aquaculture. Mm-hmm. As an individual, the best thing you can do is leave a, lead a healthy lifestyle with healthy eating to live longer so you can eat more seaweed. I love that. That whole uh, let's. I just gotta explore that. Can we just have a quick spitfire? What are all of the things that 
that you imagine or that are actually being made by seaweed already as a consumer? Just spitball it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so start the food highest and best value. Yeah. Uh, from a business perspective, we're after high margin, uh, high volumes, if you can do it. So uh, food. In order to do that, we have to change the hearts and minds of individuals and their natural eating habits in North America. Right. Right. Secondly, we're betting on a bovine uh, feed. As a bovine feed supplement, we have the opportunity for the triple planetary bottom line. As you, as you grow seaweed in the coastal oceans, you will sequester carbon. If you huh. harvest and feed to cows some species, uh, you have the opportunity to re reduce enteric methane by up to 90% or 95%. You can eliminate it as a GHG if we do the in kind of investment in the engineering and the science to and technologies to deliver that. The offshoot, the, the collateral benefit is that when you feed seaweed, seaweeds to cows, science has shown that you can also improve feed conversion ratio, some say by up to 30%. Wow. So that means when you add half a percent of seaweed to a cow's diet, it, it changes the energy dynamics in the, cow, in the cow's biome. Hmm. And you can reduce the amount of silage by maybe 30% and water that you have to grow to feed the cow. So there's your triple bottom line because we can then repurpose our land. Uh, instead of having to grow it for silage for cattle feed, we can grow it to support higher value uh, crops that will be more sustainable. Bioplastics. Uh, there are companies right now that are refining seaweed uh, for sodium alginate, which is a fundamental raw ingredient to the production of bioplastics. I, I uh, mentioned nutraceuticals. Uh, if we eat health, healthfully, we will live longer. As I said, that's the main goal is to have folks live longer from Cascadia's perspective. Uh, we have the opportunity to, to uh, supplement folks' diet with those that may not have access to healthy local produce, for example. Okay. Uh, what a stat I saw was uh, the other day was uh, five, gram, five grams of seaweed uh, nutritionally is equivalent to a kilogram of vegetables, uh, terrestrial vegetables. I'm not going to stand here and say that that's true. Uh, I thought it was an interesting stat. So nutraceuticals. Uh, Cascadia is presently bioprospecting because uh, most of the 630 species have never been analyzed that will live off, that uh, hang out our, mm -hmm. off our shores have ever been analyzed for the bioactive components. So we're bioprospecting uh, as we as we deliver seaweed as a healthy supplement. There are probably other com compounds within the seaweed that if we unlock them, uh, we'll be able to deliver things like um, uh, phacoidin is a name you might uh, your listeners may want to look up. Uh, it is uh, supposedly, for example, outpaces remdesivir as a COVID mitigant. Uh, those, those sorts of, of anecdotes come to mind. One thing is clear, the nutritional value and the, the medicinal value of seaweed we have yet to explore and really exploit. Again, it comes back to doing it in harmony with our planet, and that's a key, key thing. I heard that uh, seaweed can be used to replace phosphates in detergent. So. Wow. Yes. So if, if that is indeed a vertical that could be represented by the raw products that we produce, then we're actually supporting uh, ocean uh, uh, mitigation of the phosphates that end up in our oceans because of, uh, of land use and, and uh, community and, and global uh, people practice of uh, cleaning things with phosphates that eventually end up in the ocean and they don't really support a healthy ocean.
That's just a few of the verticals. Well, and some of those how, access to those verticals. And I guess one one privilege that we have in this day and age is, you know, our shopping is is just as easily digital and global as it is uh, the corner store. So as a consumer, if I decide I would like, I don't, I can't even think of all those verticals, but I want to change up my, you know, my cleaning products in my home and I want to have uh, neutral pseudicals. What was the, Nutraceuticals, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. the bonus, uh, bonus pet to help me live a personally a longer life as well as eating raw seafood. Can I buy from you online? Can I, can I, I want to be a trendsetter in this. How can we help? Right. Stay tuned. Uh, our Cascadia Sea, we will be launching a brand of, uh, of seaweed for consumers uh, in May as part of a Seaweed Days, a global festival to, to celebrate the, the opportunity and the hope that exists with, with seaweed cultivation. Uh, there are a tremendous number of verticals. You can go to your supermarket now. There's probably 10 to 12 products that right. you can buy. The vast majority the vast majority. Uh, come from Asia. So that's another thing is that we have an, an ability to disrupt uh, the supply mm -hmm. of seaweed. 8,000 tons in 2019, 8,000 tons of seaweed was imported into North America. Uh, wow. we, we have the ability to change that by a well-managed sector that, uh, that grows seaweed in the coastal zone. So these are kinds of things that can be done. And you eventually, you can go online now and buy seaweed snacks and you can go to your local supermarket. Stay tuned for many, many more SKUs that are uh, in favor of a more North American generalized palate. It's not this slimy, salty, uh, <laughs> green stuff that you expect. It is really wholesome. And by the way, if you need umami in your diet, if you want that sensation of flavor, uh, and then you traditionally would go to MSG, uh, seaweed is a very natural source of umami. Absolutely. In fact, uh, the other one thing I didn't mention was body products. Um, yes. Whether you're talking about plant-based collagen, which can effectively come from seaweed, or you're talking about the only vegan source of vitamin B12, which would be seaweed. Hmm. So those are things in, in uh, folks that, that uh, live a uh, healthy life and that turn to veganism to support their, their personal goals. We're going to be providing products that will help you uh, with a variety of choices that allow you to maintain the diet and the lifestyle choices that you're making and give you way more flexibility and perhaps even entice more folks because the choices will be greater and the food sensations will be greater from a more of a vegan approach to eating. This will only help improve, uh, improve I think, uh, Canadians' diets and North Americans' diets. And so we do have a chance to change things and we're trying to take up that cudgel. Awesome. Bill, it is always a pleasure. I am, uh, we're on the same path. I'd like to live to be 147. So I've got another 100 years-ish plus in my belt. So uh, if this is one of those solutions, I look forward to it, as well as helping build the regional economy. I'm very excited about that. So thanks for joining us again today on Canada's podcast. You're welcome. Post podcast, how can we, what's the best way to uh, follow up with you? Would it be on the website? Yeah, you can write to us at info at CascadiaSeaweed.com. Follow us on Instagram and we tune in to all the, uh, the social media channels and spread the word. Talk to your neighbors. Uh, this is something, the opportunity that we have to deliver. We can't wait to change the world. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bold. Vibrant. Technological. 
In Lethbridge, our spirit of innovation is more than just the way we do business. It's the way we live and the way we succeed. We'll help you to kickstart, innovate, and grow in Lethbridge, Southern Alberta's hub for innovation and technology. It's the bright, affordable choice for business builders. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge.